Okay, welcome to episode 133 of Convos on the Pedicab. I'm here with the uh, Travis County GOP chair, Matt Renault. State. Shit, okay, let's start this <laughs> one more time. Sorry, it's, it's, it's the weather. All right, You're good. welcome to episode 133 of Convos on the Pedicab. We are here with the Texas GOP chair, Matt Rinaldi, um, no, you're right. You're doing a way better job of uh, chairing the, the Texas GOP than our current uh, Travis County GOP chair, even though... Matt's doing a great job. I, we should talk about that, but I, I think that <laughs> there's room for improvement. Um, anyway, before we get started, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside your home. Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, call 512-937-8805 or visit BalconesRoofsAustin.com. All right, Matt, so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. No, this is fun. I uh, We had a really interesting episode last year where we talked about a lot of stuff. And now we yeah. are um, <clears throat> an election cycle has completed as well as a uh, legislative session. So I just want to know, like, how do you feel about what's been happening this year? Because this is, dude, this has been actually wild. It's been crazy. Yes. The election cycle, I mean, we're really happy with, you know, there were a lot of disappointments in Arizona and in Pennsylvania um, and in throughout the country, you know, with Congress not taking the Senate. But in Texas, we did well. We won every statewide race by double digits, um, some by 15 percent after four years ago was low single digits in most of the statewide races. So we made Texas more red, did really well in the election. And then a uh, session came and it was, it was, we had some victories. We had some disappointments. Well, you made Texas more red on paper is really what happened. Correct. Yeah. We on made paper, more Texas on red paper, on paper. in the election. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Uh, the Texas Senate has done really well in passing conservative priorities. The House was an obstacle and it was an obstacle because what we talked about in the beginning of session, when you bring Democrats into your leadership team, you are forced to concede Two Democrats, way too much. That, 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 that's an issue, but there's also the fact that even when it gets brought to the floor vote, um, you know, I'm not a law expert, right? I'm just a man who rides a uh, tricycle for a living. But from what I gather, it is very easy to kill or advance. Like, it is very easy to find some kind of language in any kind of piece of legislation to kill it. Yeah. And um, it's also just as easy to overlook whatever language you want to overlook if you have a special interest or people give or the people that give you lots of money or people who have whatever blackmail over you or, or social you know influence over you are telling you to do um and so even when you went to the floor like you know these these bills are just getting killed on the floor by like random points of order like it was crazy. right and what you should know with points of order is um those are those are outcome determinative rulings so, for example, you can find something in any bill and they've actually, uh, you know, if the speaker wants to kill a bill, the point of order will be sustained. If the speaker doesn't want to kill a bill, it won't be sustained. And in fact, the speaker did gymnastics this session in order to kill legislation um, that would or in and sustain points of order that would have never been sustained when I was in the House. He set new precedent and that precedent 
basically allowed him free reign to kill whatever he wanted to. Yeah, and, and then he's also absolutely wasted conducting legislation. Yes. And and then <laughs> um, he decides to impeach the attorney general right right after the attorney general calls for an investigation. I know. I mean, come on. Like, the defense to that, I, I people shared clips, like, after that and said, well, listen to him speaking here. I'm like, he still sounds like no, he has marbles No, you're still slurring your words. Mouth. Like, I, when I get drunk, sometimes <laughs> I can do that, and I say, okay, dude, you got to sober up and get it together. That literally means nothing. I mean... I know, I know, and then uh, and then impeaching the attorney general. I mean, just outlandish. Do you I think mean, it's going to stick? No. I, yeah, well, it's not going to stick. But you know what it is going to do? It's going to trust uh, the Senate. Well, it's also going to um, absolve Dave Phelan from making a mockery of this procedure. I mean, does it? I mean, I think it's. I, well, kind of does I because it, like he's not going to get investigated anymore. That investigation for him being waste on the floor is kind of done now, right? That was never going to be investigated because it was referred to the House Investigating Committee. And if you notice, the investigations of people who have the right politics go nowhere. The people who have the wrong politics go somewhere. And that's time and time again. So there will be no accountability for any for feeling or anybody like him. No, it's a weaponized committee that investigates people who don't share the politics of the speaker and the people who do, it gets swept under the rug. And people get mad at me for dressing up like a clown at city council meetings. <laughs> like literally dressing <laughs> Just up dressing, like a clown. Literally yeah. dressing up as a clown. Um, yeah, you know. I make a video delivering a case of Bud Light to Dave Phelan's office, and two days later, he impeaches the attorney general. What a- maybe, maybe that was causation and not correlation. Who knows? What, I don't know. Who knows what the reason was? But I think but it was appropriate. Very much so. Did you see that video? <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane. But um, you know, so what were the success? What do you find? What do you find like about the session to be like successful versus like what do you think we completely failed at? Um. I was very happy with what passed out of the Senate. It showed that when you put your mind to it, you can pass um, you can pass numerous conservative priorities. I mean, the Senate passed legislation protecting children. Um, they passed legislation for school choice. Um, they passed um, they passed pretty much every single one of their priorities. Well, that's good. But if, did the House pass those? No, they didn't. But they did pass legislation uh, outlawing porn in schools, um, addressing DEI. Um, How women's this... sports. Okay. And it's at the governor's desk right now, right? Sorry, I got my... Okay, no, it's fine. I got my phone over here. So it's still on the governor's desk, right? Like he hasn't signed a lot of... Has he signed a lot of that stuff yet or what's what's going he's on? He's been holding back. He signed a bunch of House bills. He hasn't signed a lot of Senate bills because he's taking a stand on, for some reason, the, homes, the homestead exemption. He does not want a homestead exemption increase. Why? Would and, that help uh, like regular people? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it would help and it wouldn't help businesses or high-income people um so basically you know it, it, there's some interesting lines occurring there because you have like tppf and even i advocated for rate compression to eliminate the property tax right okay. because it's something that you can set long-term use use surplus revenue to eventually eliminate the property tax over time but we're not doing that. We've only used $12 billion of a $35 billion surplus for property tax reduction. If you wanted to eliminate the property tax, you would do it by using more than $12 billion. So basically what they're doing is a one-time property tax cut of $12 billion. Then the question is, how do you use that and how do you allocate it? Some uses benefit some people over others. Um, the homestead exemption benefits homeowners. It doesn't benefit businesses. What would my homestead exemption be under this plan? Your homestead exemption would be a hundred thousand dollars. So my appraisal was three hundred ten thousand dollars. Was right. way appraised. So, so that would drop to two hundred ten thousand dollars. Yes, you would have one third of your property tax would be wiped out. If you have a two hundred thousand dollar home, fifty percent of your property taxes uh, of your property you wouldn't be paying on. 
Wait, according to the Senate property tax plan? According to the Senate property tax plan, the average homeowner would save between $1,250 and $1,400 under the Senate plan, and then under the House compression only would save about $750. Okay. And so then, so $750 versus how much? About $1,250 to $1,400. Okay, so let's just get this straight, and uh, I'm I'm just going to explain, try to explain this really slowly. Like yeah. I wear a mask alone in my car or something like that. Yes. All right. So our governor is threatening to veto legislation that will allow. Well, okay. Our our governor is basically threatening to uh, continue tranny story time, continue allowing people like me the ability to play women's basketball, and um, allowing you know my imaginary five year old son Carl to start having bottom surgery. Um, because he wants me as a homeowner to pay more in property taxes instead of less in property taxes. I think, <laughs> I think the latter part is is true. The homeowner's exemption would make you pay more in property taxes. Um, the I don't think he's going to veto those bills because they're so high profile. But he certainly may take something like and say, "Oh, Senator Betancourt, um, uh, you know that that mud district that you needed in your district, or 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 this or that," and he would target vetoes towards senators in an, in an effort to get them to vote for this bill. But which is odd to me because why are you taking a stand on this? instead of using that same leverage that you could have used before for child gender modification in the last session or for school choice this session. I mean, there's so many other things you could have used it for. We didn't do anything for to eliminate ESG like Florida did. Why aren't you, why aren't you throwing your weight around on those? It, it just seems odd for a nuance of a property tax. Well, because Abbott um, is connected with the World Economic Forum and the Davos class, even though he pretends not to be. And these uh, people have a specific interest in implementing these policies because it consolidates wealth for those specific companies. Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly a, a yeah, it's certainly a business, uh, a bit, I guess, uh, benefits businesses more than to, homeowners. Tobacco companies have higher ESG scores than Tesla because uh, Joe, um, Elon Musk yeah, doesn't insane. like Joe Biden. So this ESG stuff is not even based on any kind of environmental, social, or governance protocols that are even going to help society. No, no. I mean, they hurt society. They're forcing corporations to hurt society. Deliberately. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, so you, you create an environment where you have to walk on eggshells and you also create well, added bureaucratic expenses for small but, businesses um, that they can't afford to maintain. And, and it just helps wipe small businesses off the market and makes it so you have to work for an Amazon, a Walmart yeah. or a, a Target or any of these other companies. But, but yeah, exactly. But I mean, here's here's where the property tax plan like. Patrick isn't saying businesses get no tax cut under it. He's using two thirds of his tax plan for compression. He's using one third of it for a homeowner's exemption only to target to homeowners. Now, keep in mind, businesses just got a bunch of corporate welfare out of that surplus. So they they got their preferential uh, their preferential treatment in the budget out of the surplus already. Yeah. Now they're trying to now that we're going to double dip for them and give them and, and say, oh, no, with the property tax plan, we have to treat everybody equally, businesses and individuals, even though we just gave a bunch of cash to businesses with this other part of the surplus. Yeah. No, no, let, let's let's give homeowners a tax cut. We want homeowners to be able to own their homes. They should give get preference with this $12 billion. And you know what? If they're going to use I, I, the, the Freedom Caucus came out with a good plan, too. Fine. You want to use $12 billion for compression? Let's use $12 billion for compression and then use another uh, $4 billion for the homeowners exemption that the Senate wants. Now we have to give more property tax relief. Okay, and then the compression. Compre- what is compression? Just to compression is really- reducing the rate um, that you would pay for uh, maintenance and operation taxes for school districts. 
Okay. So you're you're reducing the rate and paying for it with state money. So effectively, if you do it over time and reduce the rate to zero, the state would be paying the property taxes to the school district rather than you. Okay, and most of our taxes are to school districts, so it kind of makes okay. So it's yeah, a- it's about half. So half of the, your taxes are to school districts, and and about half of that are to M and O. Okay. Okay. That, no, I'm that, sorry. Half of your. I'm sorry. I, I'm wrong. About half of your taxes are M and O taxes to school districts. Majority of them. Are, okay. Okay. Yeah. That kind of makes. Okay. And then a lot of these same conservatives that like want the house plan are going to complain about woke me- about woke culture and wokeism destroying you know Texas and our conservative values. But meanwhile, you're just giving woke mega corporations an added incentive to bring yeah. to move here, establish offices, and bring in more people who think like them and hate you into the state. After we've already given billions of dollars in handouts to corporations, that's the thing. Yeah. So, so I mean, it comes, <laughs> it comes down to I was talking to I was talking to a friend who was uh, who was a proponent of the house plan, and it came down to like Matt, you're picking winners and losers in the Senate plan, and I'm like, I know, <laughs> and the winners are homeowners who are our voters and deserve this tax cut and deserve a bigger tax cut than small businesses and large businesses who have been receiving government handouts and. And by the way, you can go to apartment owners, too, that get a 99-year tax exemption under some of the programs that are that are in place here in Texas. Oh, that's nice. It's like Agenda 2030 coming right to light. Just let, let, let's incentivize <laughs> building a bunch of skyscrapers. And Correct. yeah, let, let's urbanize everything. Cool. That's yeah. not going to get abused. That's not going to get abused at all. So uh, when, so, you, when you want to build a large corporate office or, or like a rail station yeah. or, or like any, any, any crazy yeah. thing that they could try, like... Yeah, let, let's build a DEI facility in the middle of Waxahachie, te- Texas, and, and the person who yeah. makes, and then the person who's got, got gets the contract gets a ninety nine percent tax deduction for like what a hundred years or something, something crazy. I don't, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but like it's I nine, see- ninety nine years. Yeah. What? How is this help? This does not help anybody in any capacity. <laughs> no, no. It, it, I mean, it helps apartment owners. It, it would help people who rent, assuming that savings is passed on. They're not. Passing I haven't the, seen they're, any they're, data that shows that that's big passed apartment on. owners do not pass savings on yeah. to their tenants. Yeah, they, that, that that doesn't happen. You know who passes savings on to their tenants is is um single family homeowners will pass yeah. the savings on. Yeah, and the, and the homestead exemption helps lower income homeowners more than higher income homeowners because yeah. it's a greater percentage of their their home yeah yeah and, and also you know the lower the less look people who make between a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars of the year pay the most money in taxes and they are the ones who contribute the most to supporting small businesses and actually generating our mm-hmm. economy and the more you um the more you help those people well the more you the more your uh, barista at the coffee shop gets tipped the more likely you are to take this pedicab instead of having to ride on a scooter so yep. it, it really does help everybody it really actually does trickle to everybody yeah no, it, it, it does, and, and homeowners need the relief. They do. Yeah, but then they're going to say, well, uh, you know, the, what, what they'll say with the house plan is that, you know, the most vulnerable benefit from the house plan because now we could build more affordable housing with this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could see them saying some rhino gymnastics. Like, they're going to do some gymnastics like that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand. I mean, the way you make housing affordable is, as we've seen from California in the opposite direction, is you make it easier to build houses. I mean, that that's... That's generally well, it. You increase the of. supply in the market. It, well, sort of, because if, if you're building, if you overbuild and you just create a bunch of attractions and you just create, it's about balancing the supply with the demand and also figuring out the types of people that you attract. Like if you build a bunch of houses and then like Facebook opens up 10 offices here, you're not going to make housing more affordable. Right, right, right. I mean, you got to build houses for for the people that are there, but if you make it easier to build uh, construction companies, builders will respond to that demand. 
So, I mean, and you'll get more blue collar labor. And, and, and what you get, anyway. it, what, I mean, what you get in California is if you build a new house, you have to add fifty thousand dollars in solar panels to the roof, which increases the cost. You have to to add a gas uh, a, a electric stove that that meets their environmental guidelines, and all that increases cost. That ma- that makes sense. Um, are you allowed to pay your property taxes with Bitcoin in Texas? I don't know. I, I, that's something to look into because I think something like that could also help make things more affordable too. Yeah. Have you? Uh, we talked about Bitcoin last year. I still don't know anything about Bitcoin. No, do I understand what it is? Well, um, I mean, I know what it is. Okay, Matt. All I just right. don't get it. <laughs> Did you um, have any opportunities to make friends with anyone like the Texas Blockchain Council or anything like that? No, I do have a lot of friends who are, are very big on Bitcoin. And I think, you know, I, I do agree that we should be able to use it more instances to pay property taxes, um, to free the economy up. And of course, I, I, get away from the digital currency that the CBDC to use. that. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that having um, there's no better way to actually protect your freedom and sovereignty yeah. than to um, enable more people to have self-custody of their own finances. Agreed. And that should be. A uh, pr- that that should I I honestly you look at the Texas ledge GOP priorities that should be like number one or number two on the list is um, increasing Bitcoin adoption and increasing financial mm-hmm. literacy and the ability to self custody your finances because that that also is how you bring people who are on the left across the aisle yeah because, I mean like, it's, that it's stuff in the for, platform like, like that is stuff like for everybody right like yeah. only Bitcoin's for everyone yeah it's, I mean it's in the platform and and we do want more freedom and monetary policy and and we want you to be able to own your own money as well as your own yeah. home yeah so. <laughs> And, and and I mean, we've seen now through COVID, through the inflationary period, how the government's used control of the money supply to effectively tax people, um, which is what they're doing. They gave out a bunch of money during COVID. They gave you $1,400 and then gave out the rest to their friends and business. Yes. And uh, and now they're taxing you for it by decreasing the value of your money. And they gave bucks a week and they did all that stuff. And like... Yeah. Very only a small amount of people actually, like percentage wise, actually spent that money on Bitcoin. Right, and and your your federal taxes didn't go up, but they just devalued the money in your bank account by what twenty percent over the past couple of years. Yeah, and then they're gonna blame it on corporation on greedy corporations, but the corporations have been greedy for decades, and you know you didn't get this type of inflation, so it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean corporations have sure, always been greedy. That's they're always greedy. <laughs> I mean, in a competitive economy, corporations are greedy, but they're generally not greedy in pricing policies. Since if you price too high, they don't make money. Yes, and um, if you price too <laughs> low, you can't sustain your business. So yeah. it's just a, like well, our job is very good about that because we respond to how the market is. Yeah, exactly. You know, like in in uh, during ACL, you know, I'm not taking you downtown for less than a hundred dollars during the outcrop. Yeah. Um, in January, I will take you from Zilker Park downtown for 20 bucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like when I was in law school, the Boston yeah. Marathon, we'd sell our parking spaces for like 40 bucks. Yeah. And then normally <laughs> it's like three or a dollar. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, um, that's how an economy should work. Yeah. Um, this episode is brought to you by Balcones Roofing and Remodeling. Have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside. Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, 
Call 512-937-8805 or visit balconesroofsaustin.com. How do you feel about the direction that our culture is headed in? Not good. You think so? Not good at all. Why do you feel that way? Um, I mean, when you have the White House flying a pride flag at a more prominent position than the American flag, having people topless on the White, White House lawn, I think, I think our culture's degrading. Uh, do you think I don't lack think of sound I, money and cultural degradation go hand in hand with one another? I never made that connection. I'd have to think about that one. You don't think one. so? There's a fun website to go on. It's called WTFHappenedIn1971.com. And um, if you look at a lot of the stuff that's happened with how our culture has degraded, a lot of things have kind of happened at at or around the same time that we went off the gold standard. I would would argue that's more correlation rather than causation and a symptom of a society that's degrading in in all areas. Well, when you Um, degrade the money supply, you have no – the culture has to degrade – by itself because you de-incentivize the ability to actually work hard and have a family. And in order to actually be able to do that, you need to have a um, certain set of structural values to maintain that. And if the incentive isn't there, you're less likely to want to have those values. Okay. I see where you're going. Um, I, I do believe the dual working household, the necessity for a dual working household to pay bills and, uh, you know, Maybe maybe a mother wants to be a stay-at-home mom and, and raise her kids at home and can't do it because they need to pay the bills. That does lead to cultural degradation, I think. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is, listen, you have a society. A society will have religion. It will have religion no matter what that religion is. And I think as traditional religion has decreased, I think we've replaced it with a new religion. It's called wokeism. Which we see, and, and it's climate, called wokeism. And, and climate change yeah. and um, which I you know, uh, in it. Yeah. praying to Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates. Yes, yeah. 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 It's like, um, I, I think that there might be almost a, a resurgence and people starting to like believe in God again because you realize that, especially, dude, like, you look at this, the way this legislative session is. I mean, I was making jokes about it even the first day. I'm like, well... Um, what I got out of the the first like three days of this um, of being in the in the capital is uh, well, learn how to grow your own food and uh, buy Bitcoin because these people are not coming to save you in any capacity whatsoever. And if you and um, you know you just look at how we've been let down by our elected officials, how you no longer can trust any expert on any given topic. Well, yeah. like based on just process of elimination, the only thing you can put your faith into should be God. Just considering how. How um, I, I can't think of I'm like I'm kind of stumped in the like my word choice, but just considering how faulty and flawed and just completely out of touch every other institution, just basically like when you just consider how every major institution has completely failed you, and you just look at how every institution is a complete and utter joke. Yeah. Um, just by process of el- elimination, you have no choice but to believe in God. So I think that's actually like you know it might look really bad now but sometimes things are like dark like darkest before like a resurgence yeah and i think that a lot of people are coming to that conclusion and you're gonna see um i think if people continue to communicate this in a way that's positive and encouraging and not like in a way where you proselytize religion you could see a lot more people my age and younger like returning to those traditional values especially since like something like bitcoin and the embracing of sound money is becoming a thing now and it was not a thing for 50 years and you see what happened yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a, a friend of mine who is an atheist who is uh, raising his daughter Catholic now because he's saying and taking her to church weekly and saying, I, I don't think she has a chance in this society 
unless she has a sound basis in religion. Um, and I think more and more people are seeing that. Or, or a belief in God in general. Like, I'm yeah. Jewish. As long as you, like, you know, are, are trying to learn about and embrace and become more in touch with the religion that you were born into, it's, I think, a good thing. Unless you were born into, like, somebody that, like, worships Satan or something crazy. But that that's very rare. Uh, yeah, I don't think. That, that, that isn't a representative sample. That's yeah. A very <laughs> yeah, and it seems like they're going to try. They're trying to normalize stuff like that even more and more and more. But, right. I mean, ultimately, mockery and laughter and just, you know, staying calm, like, being calm um, when addressing controversial issues is the way to kind of like get past that. Like, you know, you beat hate with love. Yeah. Right. Like when I, when I make my videos, if I was like yelling and carrying on, they wouldn't have nearly the effect versus me being calm and being and enjoying myself. Like, yeah. you know, like when I'm, when I'm doing like, um, when I'm at the trans protest and I'm asking them if a 18 year old kid can consent to taking out a large student loan and I'm really calm and they're getting angry. You see who the insane bad guys are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, so, like, true. but, but having a, a foundation and, you know, like getting a little bit more in touch with like your creator and stuff helps with you being calm in those circumstances, I think. Well, yeah, because you're not living for this world. <laughs> yeah, you're living for something else. Yeah, you're living so for something else so you can look at what's happening here and it's 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 not what matters. Uh, I mean, that's important. It is important, yeah. I mean, it, what you do does create your own heaven and hell while you're on this, on this yeah. planet and, and it creates something within your soul. But yeah, like it's not... Instant gratification is not that important. Yes. Considering like it, it's about building on building a legacy and doing what that inner voice tells you to do is, is what I think. Um, but did you know that um, when did Roe v. Wade get overturned? Uh, last year. No, not last that's June. What I meant. That's not what I meant. Well, when did Roe v. Wade get implemented? Sorry. Implemented, 1973. Uh, when did we get off the gold standard? Same year. I would assume. Since you're asking. 1971. Okay. Yeah. When did modern feminism start taking? Start start gaining steam. Yeah, in the early seventies. Uh, when did uh, no fault divorce get uh, become something that became accepted? Sixties, I would think. Around the sixties, between the late sixties to the early eighties. Yeah. Do you not see? Did you think it? Do you not think it's like a little bit odd and strange that these types of events and these types of um, things got that otherwise would never have been a, never have been like a mainstream focal point get normalized right within within a within that same window of going off gold. I mean, if you're doing things to destroy a society, generally happens at the same time, right? I mean, yeah. and that's that's what's in common between those those things. And it's also about like creating revolutions. Too. I mean, it's 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 all yeah. It's like when you're talking about wokeism, you're talking about climate change, you're talking about, um, you know, you're talking about sex changes for kids, you're talking about uh, degrading the money supply, you're talking about just people from within destroying society in any way that they possibly can, so that they can replace it with something different. Yes. And then when you create a like dependent, uneducated, sick, um, misinformed and um, emotionally unavailable public, emotionally disconnected public, while like you're not fighting for any of the freedoms and liberties that people were worried about losing during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, with with COVID, too, it was about control. And I think everything you just mentioned is also about control. Well, I mean, here's another thing, too, is that like this whole CRT DEI stuff like it. You know, it was being taught and it was in schools and in the media, but it started mushrooming after COVID. Yeah. Why do you think it started mushrooming after COVID? Because the more like, you know, when, when you get taught to when you get taught a and and who are the people that were like that were um, who are the who are the people that were teaching this by and large that were at the conferences that were talking about how to implement it? Did these people seem like people that love living in America? No, no. it was like, you know, woke SJW trust fund hipsters 
with purple hair to seem edgy. Um, you know, talking about how and why they dislike living in America and they're going to pass those lessons on to, you know, one or two generations of kids. And then, um, you know, next time there's another crisis, well, the constitution is outdated, bro. It's white supremacy. It's this, it's that like, you know, like yeah, you saw it. I went to San Marcos. You shared that video, I think, right? Which one? I went to San Marcos and got a petition where I got asked kids if they wanted to sign a petition to abolish the constitution. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Well, they're not being educated. That's why. Okay. And imagine if this woke stuff like really fully manifests itself um, in schools. What's going to happen to those kids in five or 10 years? Yeah. How much worse is it going to be? Yeah, it'd be bad. I mean, we're, we're, we're training people. We're training kids to hate America. I mean, one of the good things that I've seen is w- when you're looking at polls of Generation Z and, and people and kids in school now, you're seeing a backlash, I think, against the last three years. I think you've seen an overreach. I think people are... Um, people are rebelling against it. I hope it continues and is not just a blip, but we've even seen in the last two years, like more, more kids believe there are two genders. Um, more kids believe uh, men shouldn't compete in women's sports. We see a, a, a backlash against what we've, we've seen occur in the last three or four years. Yeah. And I, I think a return to sound money and embracing something like Bitcoin is what keeps the momentum going and actually reestablishes just a healthier foundation that doesn't infringe on people's rights. Yeah. I, so I think that like that, that's a big thing that people got to really focus on. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. If, if, if you're looking for Liberty, you are not going to get Liberty in a society that has uh wokeism to the extent it is. You, you, you not- need to have some common goal in order to have peace and freedom in a society. Yeah. And, and self accountability and, and all that, you know, like high, a high time term for society is a tyrannical society. That's that's the basis the basis of it. Um, how do you feel about the presidential election? It's interesting. Yeah. What's, what, what's your <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I think I think you're seeing kind of the 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 pre-Trump, I guess, uh, elitist consensus. I don't know what you call it. The dead consensus, the elitist consensus of of two parties that were looking out for you know corporate America, rich people. Um, you know, leaving leaving common Americans out of it. And I think you saw that change in the Republican Party in 2016 with Donald Trump, where it was, um, you know, looking for out for working class Americans, traditional values, um, closing our border uh, and not getting involved in a bunch of foreign wars that don't that don't uh, affect us. So I think you're going to see that continue since it's basically a two man race between Trump and DeSantis. And both of them are not uh, part of that old consensus of endless foreign wars and corporatism. I agree with that. Uh, how do you feel about the Trump and DeSantis beef? I mean, I don't know that there's a beef other than they both want to be president. I mean, so, you don't think the twi- so you think the Twitter beef is just all made up clown stuff? I think most of yeah. I mean, I, and and I do think most of it, most of it's coming from the Trump side, and I do think a lot of those uh, Trumps put a lot towards. Um, a lot of his campaign work towards influencers. However, what I have to say is what you have is, listen, Trump's beating up DeSantis almost from the left saying, oh, all these woke cultural issues don't matter. And it doesn't make any sense unless you, until you see that like, that's DeSantis's whole brand, right? He's 
I mean, you're not going to out anti-woke Ron DeSantis, right? No. So trying to position yourself in the race, Trump is trying to focus on economic issues, on inflation, on other things. Well, and I, that's why I think he's trying to shift the focus of the race. That, I mean, that's cool. But he also, you know, we printed two thirds of our money supply under Trump in the last year. Yep. And we had record low interest rates because he bullied the Fed into having record low interest rates. And if you own investable assets, Trump is great. But there's got to be a perspective that... You know, Trump is good for your portfolio, but all of that stuff about, hey, he's fighting the deep state and he's going to go after Fauci and he's going to go after all these bureaucrats and he's going to and he's going to drain the swamp and all this stuff like you hired Scott Gottlieb to be your FDA chair, dude. You're not draining the swamp. You're just going to help my my stocks and investments do better. And that's fine. And and, and you're going to have funny tweets yeah. and we're not going to get any kind of authoritarianism while you're president, um, not because you're like this great guy, but just because nobody wants to work with you or coexist with you to actually do authoritarianism. Mm. So as a country, we'll be better, but it's by accident. That's why I think, and, and I mean, less foreign wars. De DeSantis has a very compelling argument on economic issues as well. So when I think when they turn to economic issues, start talking about them. I mean, DeSantis is going to say, look at the amount of money we spent. Yeah. And not only that, <laughs> but I mean, look at the fact like he's going to say President Trump endorsed Paul Ryan. And, and there was a there was a building he campaign against Rona. Paul Ryan. He introduced Rona in the GOP for the national GOP chair. Trump introduced Rona His, and DeSantis introduced harm me Dillon. right and trump's head strategist was at the meeting with us trying to whip votes for ron so yeah obviously it was uh i mean so so you have you know ron DeSantis. i think is more of an anti elitist anti-establishment figure and has shown results in that area i mean go on the Florida Health and Human Services webpage. Look, look at the tweets from his Surgeon General. Right, <laughs> right. he's the only, the only. Uh, I mean, they're they're putting out guidance that health officials can use to justify, you know, not giving puberty blockers to kids. Um, no other state's done that. Texas hasn't done that. We don't see any guidance to health officials that can be used in a court case if they're sued for malpractice that they can use. Every administrative agency in Florida is at one right now, is of one mind with the governor. And I have not seen any other governor in any state do that. That is good. They're also dangerous to that. If somebody were to, God forbid, get too power hungry or get power drunk or something else could happen. Um, there is something. Well, we, Democrats do it, though. Yeah, I know. So I'm also not so, good for anybody, dude. I'm just saying that, that's the one. I'm just saying that's the one devil's advocate yeah. thing to, to pay attention to. Um, you know, let's say he stops doing. Let's say you know you get into like, look. Sometimes women are, are different versus dating them when you marry them. I'm not touching that. Go. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not married, but I'm just saying like that's that that is something to think about, right? It's just like it's something to keep your eye on. So it's like, okay, well, he's great now as a governor. Um, but let's say just in case when we become president, something happens and all of a sudden like you get like catfished or honey potted. Um, there is something reassuring about not being able to get along with any of your staff or bureaucracies because then nobody sometimes the best intervention is nothing happening. But but when that it's happens, one, one. But when that happens, the staff becomes very powerful. It's OK when you have. Uh, legislative versus executive branch gridlock when when nothing happens. But right now, when that's happening, you're having an administrative state that's making all the laws and running out of control. In Florida, they change that. Okay. And that's the only state I've seen anybody attack a state level deep state sort of. Yes. And change everything. And I like DeSantis. I, I'm just saying yeah. this. I'm asking questions just because it's it's good to you know. Oh, I know. 
it's good to like throw darts at the board and see what happens. So yeah. I'm, I'm just doing this to ask questions and talk, talk this through. I think when a cut, like this is probably the most important election in our lives to determine if we still live in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. it's important to like ask challenging questions about people, I agree. even if you like them. Um, cause I have friends who work for Infowars and they were like, they're all on the Trump team. Yeah. And they were saying that like, you know, DeSantis has been groomed by Karl Rove and all these other people. And, um, you know, because he was like a member of Congress and like, there was also stuff that I heard when he was a security, he was a lawyer at Guantanamo Bay and he like, um, inmates would confine certain things to him. And then he would like tell his higher ups that they were, uh, he would like kind of like re- use his position to like report inmates for doing, for yeah. kind of doing stuff. And then they would get I, like, I never heard of that, but I, Harrison I know, Smith, Harrison Smith. I heard the, I heard the, I heard the Rove thing. But Trump hired Roe for the 2020 election as a strategist. So I don't know where that comes from. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, that's what I say. Like Rove, Paul Ryan, you got uh, Trump endorsed Paul Ryan. Trump hired Karl Rove. So I'm not seeing those as good. A lot of this, a lot of, a lot of things too, as I've noticed that like we talked about this last time and I think like communication is a key to like shaping a narrative Mm -hmm. and, and determining where people stand. And generally speaking, um, you know, sh- like being able to speak in a way that's short, succinct, and to the point yeah. is oh, the, is kind of like something I'm going to trust a lot more than long form rambling essays. Yeah. Especially if they're in all capital letters. Yeah. The tweet, the, yeah. some of the communications are just bizarre so far this presidential and, race. And, and some of the people that are on this influence team, it's like, are you doing this because you really believe Trump is doing this? Or are you like kind of like in this echo chamber because you're going to get the social media views. You're going to get the uh, endorsement appearances. You're going to get the invites to the, to Mar-a-Lago. You're going to get the ambassadorship with turning point USA. Um, and so then you just become pressured to saying it because you just want to be part of the group. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the problem. There is, there is that it's like you almost like doppelgangered toxic influencer culture just on the right. And, and a lot of, a lot of that team, would not be employable outside of that group. So their, their future success hinges on the success of that campaign. Yeah. Um, which like which Alex Brysowitz, like, I don't know oh, why, God. like, like you listen to this guy tweet. I don't know. I mean, he might be cool in person. Right. Yeah. But like you listen to this guy tweet and you're just like, bro, I don't want to like go out and have drinks with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to spend, I don't want to go hang out with you on like a Friday night. Right. You know? Um, but then you see like this guy, Chris Nelson reopen Chris on Twitter. Mm hmm. And he just seems awesome, and he's like a big DeSantis guy. Yeah. Um, and then like I was at Rebels for Cause in uh, in Tennessee, and there was this guy named Nick Natoli who wrote the Boycott Target song, and he was one of the people there. Yeah. Big Trump guy. One of the coolest people ever. No, yeah, yeah, I have friends on both yeah. sides. Another guy, Trump impersonator named Sean Farash. He, he's like actually impersonates Trump to a T. Yeah. I'll show you that. I'll, I'll send you the um, a video of him. Yeah. Because I I made a Trump rap song and he went on stage with me when I did this. So, um, no, I mean you gotta the coolest people ever. So it's like when you have this discussion and like some of these TPUSA guys share my stuff and love what I'm doing. Uh, so when I'm having this discussion with them, I'm like, yo man, like I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to like insult you. I'm just asking basic questions because I just want to live in America just like you do. And like oh, I think no. that's how you gotta have that. No, that, I that I frame, I, you know? I like the idea of a hotly contested primary. I do hope it switches to issues and not weird stuff like oh you know. Uh, Carl Rove or whatever, I, I or know. drama between the staff members. Or like, drama I don't between the staff. Yeah, like, I don't care, bro. Like eggs are eight dollars. Like who cares? I, I want, I want I wa- cheap eggs. I want to hear an actual debate about you know, uh, COVID policy in Florida versus national COVID policy. Why is Dr. Fauci not in prison? Why Why are Correct. we still um sending all this money to the Ukraine? Like, what are we doing? 
What yeah. are we doing to protect our cyber infrastructure? You I mean, know, that's like that's be huge. Like foreign, that's, foreign policy also. I well, mean, AI is going to be a problem. I agree. Um, but I think I think they're making AI to be more of a problem than it really needs to be. I think that one of the ways to create a new world order is to like um, prime society into like uniting against the common enemy, and it just seems easy to just say it's robots. Yeah, it's also a really good light. Like if people get if white collar workers get automated out of jobs through AI. It's a lot easier to pitch CBDCs because now they could be like, you know, now it's the case for universal wage. And then the progressives start, you know, um, really getting behind it and like bullying you into trying to accept it, just like they bullied you into accepting lockdowns and mandates. So, like, yeah. I'm having my thinking cap on to just kind of envision like what, you know, what could happen in the future if X, Y or Z happens, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of dangers from AI. There's a lot of dangers from technological advancement, kind of like Elon Musk's thoughts on it as well. I like Elon Musk's thoughts. Um, I, th- I think that Twitter's much better under Elon Musk, but I don't think Elon Musk is as much of a free speech champion as people like to say he is. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you have a whole organization under you that is implementing day-to-day operations. But it was impressive that with the Daily Wire and what is a woman, um, when it was being censored, I mean, he stepped in immediately and took care of it. Well, that's good. That, that's a good thing. Good. That's good. And, and it's good that, like, you know, Tucker Carlson's broadcasting on Twitter and, like, the narrative about... Yeah. The entire narrative and the trust in me, like the narrative and our view of media and our consumption of of media and how we get information, it's changing in I think a mostly positive way. Yeah. Um, the other view, but there are problems, right? And like, I tried to share an article about the project for a new American century on Twitter. Okay. Um, and it was an NBC article. It wasn't like some crazy fringe article, it was like an NBC or ABC article. Okay. And they wouldn't let me share the the link to the article, so I, I screenshotted it and I was like, "Yo, why are you not just letting me share a link about 9/11 and the project for a new American century?" I don't like, know what that is. It's a neoconservative think tank um, made in the 1990s about how we need to bring uh, American democracy to the Middle East and figuring out a way in which to do it. And they also said that it would have to be done in a very slow, multi-decades-long process unless a cataclysmic event were to occur to expedite the process. And lo and behold, 9-11 happened like four years later. Yeah. So that was basically... The Project for the New American Century helped lay out the blueprint for what happened to 9-11, which then laid out the blueprint for us going into the Middle East for no reason and then creating the Patriot Act, which... um, Further our debt crisis helped get Obama into office, which led to more wokeism, which led to Trump, which led to the co- which led to COVID, which led to this. Well, correlation doesn't always <laughs> Just equal causation. The, I want to I want to caution pitch. you elevator, about that. Elevator three sentence pitch. <laughs> okay, like that's the causation <laughs> is not the same as correlation, and I I don't I'm not I do not subscribe to that conspiracy theory personally. I think there are a lot of conspiracy theories I actually do subscribe to. That would not be one of them. All right, we um, have to talk about 911. I don't want to get you in trouble. We don't need to bring that up, right? Like, um, no. I mean, <laughs> I I think we all know what happened there. I mean, it's not. I, I I don't I don't believe any of that conspiracy theories. I think it was used by opportunists who wanted to use it to expand foreign policy. But I mean, there's no shortage of events that can be used in that way. No, a thousand percent true. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about. Before we got to 9-11, the Trump. Oh, DeSantis. Elon Musk. Elon. 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 Musk. Elon. Okay. So I shared that and like they didn't let me share that that article, right? Yep. And um I have this um I've I'm starting to um post on other platforms. Yeah. Right? Like I'm I created an account on Rockfin where I'm gonna start up updating my podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my stuff on Rumble now. I mean I upload it on YouTube and then it just goes right to Odyssey and Rumble. But I would rather people like watch me on odyssey or rumble versus watching me on a channel like youtube for an obvious set of reasons Mm -hmm. you know um 
And there's also a, like a new social media protocol called Noster. And it's like a Bitcoin-based protocol where you have a, yeah, okay, so you have like a, a, a public key and then a private key to like log in, right? And so nobody can like take, nobody could censor you. Nobody could like take you off the internet. Nobody could suspend you. Nobody could shadow ban you. And nobody can do anything because it's, they have to have access to your keys in order to be able to have any influence on your account. So like the stuff that you put out is actually shared on, based on whether or not people want to listen to it versus um, a group of centralized figures controlling how information gets spread. Yeah. Every time I try to post my pub key for Noster, or I, or there was a time where I tried to post my Noster pub key in my, my, my profile, my engagement plummeted. My engagement would plummet on Twitter whenever I would share anything Noster related. Interesting. So that's my Elon concern. So Elon, if you're listening, there's like a, you know, a better chance of getting struck by lightning, but it would be cool to fix that, you yeah. know? Or it'd be cool if Tesla started accepting Bitcoin payments. Who knows? You know? Yeah, Although to being able to tip and get creator revenue f through Twitter is good and a lot better than the yeah. previous regime. So yeah, that, and positive. less censoring and, and huge positive banning huge, for huge. for you know dead naming somebody or or misgendering somebody. It's fucking crazy. It's nuts. Hey, um, do you remember that thing I sent you a few months ago about that bar owner in San Antonio? Refresh my memory. Uh, Vince Cantu is the owner of a bar called Moses Rose, and they are trying to eminent domain. The uh, city of San Antonio and I think the Texas Land Commission and the Alamo, this company called the Alamo Trust is trying to eminent domain this guy's bar okay, um, to build like a museum um, commemorating itself to the soldiers who um, stood up and died at the Alamo. And so you're at, you're basically- Oh, is it creating... part of the reimagining yes, the Alamo yeah, project? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. So you're basically um, creating a museum for people that died defending their property rights. And in doing so, you're literally disregarding somebody's property rights. Ironic. <laughs> Ironically. And um, so they're, they're doing this and then they are um, lowballing him on offers. Oh yeah. And cause, cause it's like a $12 billion project with like a $600 million, like in, in economic impact or some, some insane amounts of money. Okay. And he's the, the city council wants to eminent domain him. He's trying to go to court for this. They're, they're offering him like insanely insulting lowball offers. Um, probably, Don Buckingham, the Texas Land Commissioner, is insulting him and patronizing him because and calling him selfish and saying that he doesn't want to um, argue in good faith when it's his own bar and you shouldn't even be eminent domain at all if it's your property. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I just think it would be cool if like the Texas GOP and some prominent voices were to like I don't know speak up for him or reach out or see what they could do because. That what happens to that guy's bar could happen to anybody. Could and by the way, just admittedly, I know nothing about that case whatsoever. But since you talk talk to me about it, I'll look into it. I I, I don't know anything about the facts of that. Exactly, that's, that it's, it, it's something that's a huge deal, and it doesn't get shared. You know, yeah. it's like like imagine if people didn't share Shelley Luther's story with her hair salon, what would have happened? Like how like how much different the state of Texas would have been if people didn't share Shelley Luther's story. Yeah. I mean, we might have been closed for months on end. This <laughs> shop might not exist. We might not even be doing this podcast if it wasn't for for that lady opening up her hair salon. When you really look at it in retrospect. I mean, when you look at it in retrospect, I mean, Georgia and Florida opening months before we did was, was I think, the cause of us opening also. Thank, well, thank Kemp and DeSantis. Yeah, and then um, Trump turns on Kemp, and DeSantis became a globalist rhino after he won his race by 20%. I got to tell you, my heart, 
my heart sunk that day so much. I was just because I thought that was the biggest injustice, the COVID lockdowns that we've ever sustained as a society during my lifetime. Yeah. And, and then Kemp comes out bravely, um, you know, Kemp comes out, bravely opens up Georgia and then Trump says, oh, it's too soon. Was, oh, come on. Just because you don't like the guy. I mean, you don't like the guy. He has a good policy that he's doing. He's trying to save the other states and, and, and he gets criticized for it. Yeah. But then everyone says he's fighting the deep state and he's fighting the globalists because they have to make up stuff and do mental gymnastics. Like it's so insane. It's it's insane. But I love the I, I love the people. Un, and, unless you know, unless the globalists compliment him. That, that yeah. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> look, generally speaking, I'm not voting for Joe Biden, but. Um, no, we got to we got to get behind yeah. the nominee. So how, how do you feel about RFK Jr. Though, how do you feel? Oh, sorry, slower, slow down. How do you feel about RFK Jr.? Okay, he's a liberal who I disagree with on virtually most. I mean, most of his policy positions. Oh, that being said, he is a true liberal, as the term as as the term used to mean in the 1980s, 1990s, meaning. You care about individual rights. You care about free speech. You just have a more, a larger role for the government, maybe in providing a safety net for others and maybe more government control. It's like he's like a Democrat from 30 or 40 years ago. And if he beats Biden and that becomes the second party, I think our country is in a lot better position than we were before. Ah, fully agree. Um, I mean, think think about it. If if your two choices every election are somebody like RFK Jr. and somebody like Trump or DeSantis, I I'm feeling much better about my country in the future. I think RFK beats Trump. I think DeSantis it becomes closer. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I think RFK in the general election would be tough for. I might. Of them. I think RFK to be honest might be my number one choice. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, but it listen, doesn't really but it doesn't really matter because the DNC is not going to even let him win anyway. So you have to have that discussion. To he's figure out. he is still a very liberal Democrat. He's he's buys into the climate change nonsense. Uh, wants to punish individuals for that. So Matt, he is still he is still a dyed in the wool liberal. That said, he's not crazy. <laughs> he's not crazy. I, I think you should listen. He's have not a leftist. Have you been listening to some of his interviews lately? I would no. I would think he's more in line with what your beliefs are. And you, and you have a far different ideology than I do. You think so? I think we have a lot in common. So, we do, but I'm just saying you do. You are you you are a different ideology than I am. I think I'm more. Um, I think you're a little more traditionally conservative. I don't know about that. No, because traditional conservative, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like Paul Ryan. Yeah, fuck those people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking. Yeah. I think of more of like a national conservative, or, or probably more populist. But, um, and I think and I look at you as more libertarian. I think RFK Jr. is. RFK Jr. is what I would think in a healthy society the opposition party should be. I mean, that, that, that's basically it. No, I agree. I fully agree with you. All right, Matt, how do we get a hold of you? Um, we are at, uh, I'm at uh, texasgop.org or I'm on Twitter at MattRinaldiTX. Excellent. And you don't do the Texas GOP account, do you? The what? No, no. I don't. No, you should. <laughs> no, I'm all right with that. I leave our comms guy to do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Anyway, Matt, thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks. it.